everybody, Robbie here and welcome to episode number 47 of the Coach's Journey podcast with Lindsay Lewis. Lindsay Lewis was a sensitive child, the one crying about the bird that fell out of the nest as she puts it. Her intimate connection to living things was a challenge early in her life but in this episode of the show she describes how she harnessed the power of her sensitivity to become a passionate, brave and creative coach, finding the talent in what could otherwise be torment. Throughout her life as a magazine editor, communications consultant, and now as a coach, she has taught and practiced yoga. She explains the importance in this uh, conversation of physical bodily awareness to the phenomenal energy she beckons into her coaching sessions. The power of an invitation is a key theme in the episode. Um, as Lindsay explains how she learned to instigate and lead interactions that recognize and reflect the value of what she has to offer her clients. Our conversation comes at a really exciting time for Lindsay. She discusses work on a, it sounds, just sounds like an amazing documentary that will showcase the work of brilliant people seeking to make positive change in the world, people whose, whose livelihood is based on the idea of hope, something she's really well placed to promote. And she tells an amazing story about how that idea came to her, how she stepped through the, the challenges she was facing there. So in the episode, we talk about easeful conversations, being on path and what that can do for our health and our work. Um, how to create timely invitations to engage, the terrifying transformational thrill of group experiences. That's how Lindsay and I met on a on a mastermind program where we were participants. Um, we talk about how the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. And and one of the things I love about this episode is that Lindsay talks really clearly about how there was there are a certain set of skills that if you learn them make running a coaching business much much easier thing um and she really gets into those things for her including the professional self and identifying with that she get invitations creating initial conversations with people making proposals and what you do after you've made the proposal those are the kind of five areas she talks about and we get into practical things about each of those and and she's very clear that there was a line between when she didn't know those things and her coaching business you know it functioned but struggled and when she did and what happened then and, and she learned them from a woman called amber and we get into that work that she did um, and 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 so there's at times in this episode there is a really practical um solid part to the conversation but we also the way you know the way Lindsay talks about coaching and, and how she did it and how she now sees it from the very start of our conversation touches in on the other side of Lindsay um one of my coaches said a thing to me recently that I, I struggled a bit with which was something like when when you know I speak to you I, I touch something deeper deeper something spiritual he, he said that to me and and I got it. I really get it from Lindsay, that same thing. And that helps me see it in myself. Um, and yeah, this, that, that she carries really beautifully that sense that coaching is like magic um, and how we create that with people and, and much, much more. Um. So before we get into that conversation, you can feel me kind of drifting away at the feel of what it's like to be in the in the company of Lindsay Lewis. Um, I want to say that now would be now is a great time if you've been curious about joining the Coaches Journey community, or you might like to find out what it's like to be coached by me as part of a group of coaches who are passionate about what they're doing. As I try and bring, you know, that thing that my coach was pointing to and, and all the magic of coaching to a group, and it, and it is a magical experience. Now's a really good time to join the Coaches Journey community. So what is the Coaches Journey community? Um, it's my attempt to create the most affordable, flexible way for coaches to work with me, learn everything they can from me about what I think are the skills that you need to grow a coaching business, but also to thrive as a human while you're creating a thriving business, to be connected to other people 
you know, they're just beautiful calls to be on. The call we had in February, um, yeah, I was just so proud and inspired and excited um, and called to greatness by the members of the community and each of them in their own way, the amazing things they're, they're stepping into the world to do. Um, and the reason now's a good time to join is, so the Coaches Journey community has different levels of membership. You can join the March call um, by paying just £10. You can join at the £10 a month level. You, for that, you normally get two calls a year. One of them is the March call. So you can join, find out what it's like to be a member of a community like that. Um, there's no right or wrong time, no too early, no too late. We've had people who haven't even done a coaching training yet and to people who have been coaching for many, many years on, in the community. Um come along and if it's not for you you can just cancel and, and that's perfect that's part of the way the the community works that's part of the way that I structured it and built it um so it'd be an absolute pleasure to have you have you here with us uh the march call is going to be on the 21st of march at 5 p.m uk time you can find all the information about that and more at the coachesjourney.com slash community um or um patreon.com slash the coaches journey there'll be there's links wherever you're listening to this um it's been an absolute pleasure to have many coaches in the community over the years, but but there's absolutely space. Um, every time somebody new joins, something new is added, whether they stay for one call um, or for years. Um, and, a, and a especially big thank you to Alex Witten, Joey Owen, Alex Swallow, Ken Brewer, and Neil McKinnon for your ongoing support. Um, but, so that's another thing for another day. You know, ask me questions, email, connect with me if you want to find out more about the community or come along to that March call. Um, again, you can find out more about that at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. On the Patreon page, you can also find out more about becoming a supporter where you can just pay some money to help the Coaches Journey podcast continue and reach new people. Um, but without further ado, I just want to um, invite you into the beautiful space that is created whenever the wonderful Lindsay Lewis is in the room. Lindsay, welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Thank you, Robbie. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And, you know, perhaps it's because, well, maybe we, we might get into this, um, mm. maybe over the course of it. But I, I just had this sense when I speak to you that, that of, of easeful conversations. And that's like mm. one of the feelings I've been having, to, you know, about recording this it's not to say that I haven't been thinking about what we might talk about and that kind of thing, but I don't know. That's a, yeah, that was, that's a kind of feeling that I've had in the build up to this, this call. Lovely. Well, likewise, uh, we've had a lot, we have had easeful conversations. Yeah. You are somebody who I've been lucky to be in the presence of on a regular basis, virtually yeah. and have received the like radiation that occurs from you through the ethers so i was ready for more of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and and yeah let's so so we met on a mastermind with mm -hmm. run by robert holden which meant that for six we months did. two two times a month ish yeah uh, we were on a group call and occasionally was it by chance or was robert matchmaking i don't can't remember it we would was be funny we, we continued there was with this really funny thing that would happen where he'd pull it would like a random thing it would be randomized but then it'd be like robbie you're my partner again <laughs> yeah for people who haven't been to robert any of robert's workshops it's this wonderful thing he does which is he has and he did it live on the first call didn't he he has a, like a big top hat a bit yeah, like the does. one out of um monopoly 
uh, except hollow yeah, and he yeah. puts everybody's name into it and i've been at this i've been at an in-person workshop with him with like 150 mm. people where mm. he's like instead of asking for a volunteer for a demonstration or a comment he pulls a name out of the hat and he just before he does it the first time he'll say to the room and, and you're not going to believe this everybody but the hat never gets it wrong and we had i just remember the, that the time when he said that you know just this this absolutely fantastic barely imaginably true woman appeared standing up from the group right? who had just had this impossible impossibly perfect conversation with robert on the ah, back of that and and yes it did it the, 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 his sorting hat i don't think he calls it that did put us together a couple of times at least didn't it, it did and then we were like well maybe we should you know do this ourselves so then we were like let's ha- let's schedule a conversation the two of us because and then we yeah. did that yeah. <laughs> that was nice yeah and and then and then it's it's interesting isn't it because when you meet somebody in a learning experience like that or and then it's the same with clients i think it's really interesting and you know at least the way it is with my clients you don't always get to hear their story you know we did a little bit of it when we yeah. when we spoke i think but you know it's it's then interesting I like. I'm really looking forward today to likewise rewinding and 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 touching in, into things. And maybe the place we go is the place we often go at the start of these these episodes, which is when did you first come across coaching in the way that you think about it now? This 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 kind of coaching. Uh, oh, I like lo- I like that you ask it that way. The way that I think about it now. Um, well, I think the way I think about coaching now is quite different than the way I thought about it when I first came across it. Um, I think at this stage, uh, I'm identifying coaching in a way that I think all of us do over the, over time, which is sort of our, our way of doing and seeing and being in the coaching profession. But certainly when I first came across it, I was, I was stumbling around looking for my thing. And I had been a magazine editor for a number of years, had been wanting to do that since I was 15 years old. Exited university, went into an internship very quickly from there, got hired on as a lower level editor very quickly from there, went up to assistant editor of four different publications, living the dream, totally unhappy, (laughs) feeling meaningless, feeling purposeless, feeling unwell, didn't do it in the most like pragmatic, rational plan, make sure you have all your bases covered before you jump way. I was 22. I I blew up my life. I left everything. I said, I resigned and I will find my way. Um, I wouldn't recommend that approach if it's not your thing. It's not the most, the least stressful approach to finding a new thing. Um, but eventually I did as I, as I wound my way through um, different avenues of serving, of felt like I, of feeling like I was contributing in a positive way to people in the world and and life, which for me looked like yoga and then consulting with health and wellness companies, doing communications work, and then always feeling like there's something more. I want to, I want to be working more deeply, more intimately. There's something more. And as I was remembering conversations I had had with a few key people in my travels, a couple of them popped up where they said, you know, I could really see you as a life coach. I had no idea that was a thing, had never experienced it, didn't know what they were talking about. That remembrance occurred to me as I was sitting in my like miasma of like, what is the thing? Um, And then I stumbled across a training by Martha Beck, 
whose work I had adored. She was my very favorite self-help writer. Her work had been monumental for me during that period of time where I was finding a new way. And I thought, oh my God, she's a coach. This is what coaching is. I have received so much benefit from this woman. She's doing a training. I hopped on her info call. It was an hour long call, 30 minutes in. I said, I'm up. This is my thing. I hung up the phone. I signed up for her training. I paid for it. And that was, I don't know, like 11, 12 years ago. Um, and and it, it that was that. That was when I discovered it. And it's gone from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to dip into a few things you said. But first of all, if people who don't know Martha Beck's work, can mm. you kind of give a flavor and maybe a recommendation of of something that, that, that mm-hmm. someone who's listening is like, oh, this sounds exciting. I don't know anything yeah. about Martha. Where should I go? I, I so recommend Martha. Um, if you are somebody I should say this, who... I should say for listeners, I, I asked that question in a way as though I know Martha Beck's. I could know Martha Beck's work. <laughs> I don't. It's really important to say that. I, every now and again, I catch myself. It's like a, a smart interviewing move. Because it makes me, it, it, it builds the thing for, for, um, it builds the sense that I am involved in the conversation. I also, but it's really important to say, I don't know Martha Beck's work. So t- Robbie, for me, one of the, where one should of the I go? One of things about you is your humility. Like, uh, honestly, you get like, we were one of the most upfront, authentic, I, uh, honest people that I experience. It's amazing. Um, okay. So Martha Beck, so Martha Beck's work into me is, at its core about being in your joy. You know, she talks a lot about flow. She talks a lot about positive psychology. She references um, without speaking the word, she references the this idea of feeling on purpose, of the relaxation that occurs in our mental, physical, spiritual selves when we are on path. Now, that doesn't mean we've gotten somewhere and it doesn't mean we found the one thing, but we are feeling like what we're doing is right and how that can impact our health, well-being, and the efficacy of that, which what we do. Her work is a wonderful um, guideline, wonderful resource um, pathway towards experiencing that in our lives, if that is what we are feeling called towards. It's not so much create success where you are, although I am a fan of that and I see so much value. Her work is find the thing where you feel meant to be and allow the success to co-create alongside you. I love that. It was exactly what I was looking for. Her latest book is The Way of Integrity. Uh, I've read it. I recommend it. I love it. Um, and she's she's fabulous for that approach to life and inquiry. Lovely. Lovely. And she said a really interesting thing, which is the way that you think about coaching now is really different to how you thought about it then. Mm-hmm. And so how did you think about coaching then when you, as you did that training with Martha or or afterwards? Um well, the first thing that comes to mind is I thought of coaching it, initially, the when I discovered her the, her, the training, I thought, ah, when I do this training, it will help me experience um, that sense of ease in my life. 
And then I'll be able to also create a really thriving coaching practice afterwards. Um, the way that I now think about coaching in terms of the business of coaching and the building of a coaching practice is there's a there's a skill set that I needed to learn and develop that I had that had to be taught to me that was much it wasn't a natural innate you know success is coming along as I follow my joy I had to really learn how to be a professional coach so that way is different um I think about coaching differently now in that I approach it less from a prescriptive place than I initially thought I would go in and say, here's what we're going to do over eight sessions. Mm -hmm. I will be leading you through this process in session one, then this process in session two, and this process, and I will be more prescriptive. Now my experience and the way way I see coaching is much more I arrive as a blank slate. Mm -hmm. And then we see what occurs inside our conversation as I sit across the person and hold them in a space of great capacity and loving. And we'll see what will be of highest service to them and what I pull from in order to support that in occurring. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to what are those skills that you had to learn to build a coaching business. And maybe we'll get more into, I think this will, you know, maybe we'll get more into this thing that you just said, right? What's the difference between the prescriptive approach and the experience of that mm-hmm. and this, this thing now? Um, what, but what do you, before we do that, just what do you think people were seeing when they were saying, I could really see you, Lindsay, as a life coach? What were they seeing? (laughs) This, this baffling impression that people have that, that, uh, Lindsay is, that's not baffling. It is true. I think they saw that I was a safe place to land, Mm. uh, that I was a person they could sit down across from. Um, and and would hold a space for them that they hadn't experienced elsewhere. Um, I think that that's what they were seeing. Uh, for some reason, they also seemed to think that I had my shit together. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> not what, that's not what it felt like? Still seem to assume. <laughs> I never feel like I have my shit yeah. together. <laughs> I never feel like I have it all together. I don't know anybody who does. Yeah. Um, particularly for a a feeling person, which Mm. I certainly am. Um, And I I recognize also that um, it's not a requirement for coaching to have your life 100% sorted in yourself either. Um, It's interesting, isn't it? Having, Having your life together, having everything sorted out. You know, I imagine some people who saw you make, you said it wasn't, you wouldn't recommend it to everyone, but who saw you make that leap at 22, mm-hmm. would you say 22? Was it later than that? Of Yes, I was 22. I'm not putting up with this. I quit. I'm going to mm-hmm. find my thing. Um, mm-hmm. I guess there's different kinds of having it together, isn't there? There's like feeling like my life is in order and I have all the things I'm supposed to have mm-hmm. at this time. And mm-hmm. there's another mm-hmm. way of having it together is I'm honest with myself about what's happening in my life. And mm. this is mm. not it, and therefore I'm going to take it. So I can imagine that mm. that um, mm. would have caught people's eye as well. With with the safe place to land, obviously you can't know this, and the and the answer is the sum of all your experiences up to that point. But <laughs> but if you had to point to some things that that created that in you, or contributed, or enabled you to be a safe place to land for people, what what would you point to? 
uh, I would point to the high level of um, sensitivity that I felt my whole life. So as a kid, I was always the kid that was crying about the bird who had fallen from the nest or the animal that had been hit by a car or the kid across the street who was feeling upset. It was, I don't really have the ability to shut that off. Um, I'd like to sometimes, and sometimes I cocoon so that I can. Um, I seem to feel like a lot of us do, a lot of us do, very intimately connected to other living things and living people. And as a kid, that was challenging, but what a, the way that I somehow began to utilize it and, you know, actively work with it as I got older in high school and beyond was to be there for people to, to, to look at them and say like, I I can see you're in something. How are you? Mm. And I would do that even though, you know, I had no uh, training or anything like that, that enabled me to really feel like I had something to land on to hit, to, to navigate that conversation. But I did. Um, and I was just that person because I, I genuinely did care and I genuinely wanted to address and help them with what was going on inside. And that occurs, continues to occur um, as I've now in my forties, 41. I can imagine that that sensitivity you might want to shut off sometimes for, you know, I'm imagining, you know, in some ways it's me and in some ways it's not, but you know, I know people who will really identify with that feeling. I'm wondering, you know, all that 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 ability, and then the the. I sometimes wish I could shut it off feeling as well. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about how to manage that kind of sensitivity, or use it, or allow it to mm-hmm. enrich life without mm. without the without as much of the challenges that you know mm. you, you can kind of hear that question, even though it's totally about six questions. <laughs> so, so one of the fun things about doing interviews, Lindsay, I don't think I've said this. To you before is I can mess around with my questions because I, you know, I don't feel any, any coaching pressure. Not that I really feel the pressure when coaching anymore. Right. My clients know yeah. that. It's like, oh, wait, that's not the right question. Wait, let's, that's let's do not... a different one. Let's do Hold something on. Else. Yeah, Ignore yeah, what I, I just said. Yeah. I've got a better idea or maybe you've got a better idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> totally. Anyway, but, but there was a question a while ago that I asked you and I don't know you if did. we can remember what it was. Yeah. I remember. Sensitivity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember what it was. Um, yeah, and I do. I get asked this by clients who are, mm, you know, I along the, along the path. Also, they're like, "What do you do?" Um, I think for me, the the greatest shift that has occurred over time is that I have begun to see it as a talent rather than a torment. You know, there was a, as a kid, it just felt uncomfortable. Um, but now I recognize that it's when I am attuned to that part of me that is uh, unshot offable and um, sensitive to what's occurring in other people and other living living beings. That same part of me is my creative force. That same part of me is my uh, unending well of. Um, passion, creativity, energy, motivation to create in a way that is meaningful. And it has empowered me in so many scenarios to stand up 
in some in uncom- places that would be uncomfortable because they have me more visible or they stretch me out of my comfort zone. They stretch me beyond what I've done before. It is that force inside me that is sensitive that has driven me into that scenario that has called that forward and has created quite a strong um, person. If I look at my personhood, I'm stronger because of it. I am active because of it. I am proactive because of it. I create because of it. Uh, it's It feeds me. It's a connection. So I see it as something that I can tap into that feeds me and gives meaning into my life, which is very important to me. So that has been a very pivotal shift. Hmm. It's a good, uh, be a good book title, Talent to Torment. <laughs> torment, torment to talent. Uh, torment to talent. Let's do, let's do than, it the reverse. We're better, better than talent to torment. Oh, I bet you could do a good book about talent to torment too. Mm, mm, um, mm. But isn't it a yeah? What a different thing. And and also, what a different thing to really see what comes of it. And it's like I, I love the way you talk about it. One of my thoughts was, you know, it's not the it's not the kind of natural assumption or the societal story, at least in the UK might be different. It's definitely, I'm sure it's, it might be an extreme thing in the UK, but you, to, to, to see that the sensitivity to other people is the same thing that drives you not only to create things, but to, to create things. And those things sometimes take you into the uncomfortable, scary places. So it's mm-hmm. like, it wouldn't be, I don't think at least in the UK, a natural assumption to, <laughs> to kind of pull those things together. So it's very interesting to hear you say that. I guess it's that thing that maybe sometimes the we have to be really careful with parts of ourselves because we don't know what they what's possible for them if we allow them um, rather than shut them off. You know, we, don't, we never really know yeah. unless we really do deep work on it. The, the consequences of allowing different parts of us to exist or to thrive or to grow or to have their have their head. Yeah, that's well said. So you did some training with with Martha Beck, and then I imagine lived happily ever after as a very successful <laughs> life coach. It was easy, you know, no problem. Yeah. Didn't stumble at all ever. <laughs> yeah. Didn't question my life choices ever. <laughs> so what? If, if you take yourself back, you said it's eleven or twelve years ago. If you take yourself back to then, you finished the training. It was it was a it was a coaching training, right? It was it was mm. that what it was? It was it was kind mm. of you know, you're a person who wants to be a coach. Here's, here's what I, Martha, know about that and how it works yes. and how you'll do it. And then yes. you finished that. And, and do you remember what, what happened like immediately? What did you do? How did you, and were you, you were working in comms or something at the time? What were you doing alongside this? I love that comms, comms. Is that not, is that we, not we, a thing outside the even, UK? We don't even say that. <laughs> I've never, comms. I was working in comms. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was very cool. I, Yes. So I was still working in, in comms as a consultant. Um, liked that. That felt meaningful. That felt contributive to me because of the, who I was consulting for. Um, but I was, had also decided I really want to, to do this coaching thing. Um, and I am trying to remember exactly how it went. Like if I reduced, I likely didn't reduce hours. You know, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and 
if I'm not really remembering totally accurate, but I'm on the practical sense, what I'm, I'm pretty sure I did was like have a couple really brief, low paying clients and then decide, great, this is what I'm doing. I I will no longer be doing consulting. Sayonara, everybody. Here I go again on my new thing. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what I did. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Though, because it's like, uh, well, I, you know, I, I think you know, I did some work with Rich Litvin, and even though it was years yes. ago, his, 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 some of his words I find coming into my mind sometimes. And you know, what he says is, I mean, it's great. It's not his original thought, but it's a great way of saying it. How we do anything is how we do everything, right? So if you're the person yes. who quit your quit your uh, editing job overnight, you're probably the person who, you know, it does make sense, doesn't it? You'd uh-huh. also be the person who started coaching, quit everything else to start coaching overnight as well. Yes, yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but then I sank, Robbie. Yeah. Like did not, was not making money, didn't know how to create clients, didn't know how to enroll clients, um, didn't say... Uh, you know, didn't know how to be a professional, didn't know how to, how to um, run a coaching business, run my own business. Um, and so I tried the the stuff that was out there and that was marketing and social media and build your brand and write a really well-crafted website. And as you know, that, that no longer was the case when you and I met, I had the hor- I had a horrible website, which I hadn't touched since back in those days when I was trying to create it. But now you have a beautiful website. Oh, thank you. I was you. enjoying being on it. Um, yes. Oh, thank you. Conversation. Thank you. Uh, well, that's because Robert. Check it out, yeah. Because Robert told me <laughs> I had to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did all of that. Um, as so many of us do, was not effective for me. Still really struggling financially, kind of squeaking by every month. Credit card debt was a little bit going up every month. Um. And then I realized I really need help. I will not quit this. I like this. I know it's the thing for me right now. I must get help with how to build a coaching practice. I can't figure it out. Some things really felt like nothing was really working. Although I had a, I had clients and they would be with me for a period of time for quite a low fee. Um, and then I got an invitation into a conversation from a woman who I had met at an event years ago, who is based in Los Angeles, um, who herself is a coach and was starting to work with coaches. Mm -hmm. She said, do you want to have a conversation? I'm going to be running a group. It might serve you. And I was like, hallelujah. Perfect. Yes, I do. Yeah. Let's come to that in a sec. But but I'm I'm curious about the time before that, the the, the time when you said you sunk. Mm -hmm. You talk about it now, uh, and it's easy to do this, right? Because there's some kind of uh, happy ending at the end that you know you can yeah. get there through, right? Like, so it's, yeah. you talk about it very calmly. What's your memory of what it felt like over that period? <clears throat> well, thanks, Robbie. Just like make me dive right back into that. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. joking. I I remember feeling ashamed. I remember feeling lost. I remember feeling terrified of my future. I remember feeling like I, I must not be meant to do this because clearly it's not working for me. If it, if it, you know, if I was meant to do it, it would be easier. Um, I remember having moments of like lying on the floor in my apartment being like, just crying, like everything is very hard and I don't understand what to do and I'm not ready to quit. It was awful. It was awful. It was horrible. 
Yeah. I guess one of the advantages of being someone who sometimes does just quit everything is you like you just I just heard you say that I'm not ready to quit. It's like you also like no, you it sounds like you really knew when it wasn't the time to just quit this thing. Because it's interesting, you lying on yeah. the floor crying and feeling the shame and all those things, which I I understand some of that and from my experience, and yet you didn't quit and you did have some clients. And so those are two interesting things yeah. given that was going on so first of all why do you think you didn't quit uh, I didn't quit because I the the part of me that I was was new to me that I was new to listening to is the same part of me that said quit your magazine editing job um was saying don't quit this mm. stick with this I don't it there's now I I get now I, I love that part of me. It guides my life in, in a lot of ways. It's very predominant um, because I've learned that I like it. I like to do the, the life according to its guidance and it's trustworthy. Um, but at the time it was new, um, but it was, I guess, strong enough. And, and I had a sense of what rightness felt in my system at that time to, to know that it was accurate and what it was telling me to do, which was not quit was right. And I could feel that in my system and I wasn't entrusting it at that point, but it was strong enough that I was willing to, I was willing to try. Mm. Mm. And you were doing some work with people as well. You know, I imagine yeah. that, that, I imagine that that also helped you not quit because For it sure. gave you that sense of what, what it was like to do the work. It gave you a sense of some of the power of it, kept you in mind of it. I remember one of my most difficult moments happened with a sale that did happen and didn't happen, all that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. the key thing mm -hmm. about that, so one of the, when I look back, the key thing about the moment there was the work, I wasn't doing any other coaching. So like everything rests on this one sale yes. because there's nothing yeah. else happening. And, and, yes. and now... You know, you know, now one of the things I would always say to people is just get, co you know, get coaching. It doesn't matter if people are paying for you as long as you're getting reminded of practicing the craft, but also getting reminded of what it's like. But do you remember right. anything about when you look back on those clients in that first period, is there anything that stands out about the work you were doing or the way you were doing it or the people that were there? Sure. Um, it, the thing that stands out is that what I was getting to experience was that inside our conversations and inside our relationship and then inside their lives, there was a growing experience of what felt like magic. Hmm. What felt like we were touching on something that I, you know, sort of had wished existed and was as a kid certain did. Um, and now got to experience as a real part of our world that they felt it on the calls and I felt it on the calls. And then it had a ripple effect in their life that seemed to bring in, you know, in a way, a, a blanket of something that made things better. And there was real um, practical, measurable, visible results occurring you know they were creating what they wanted they were moving they were um 
working a dream job. They were making more money. Those were also happening. That wasn't really the thing that kept me hooked. It isn't the thing that keeps me hooked. It it was this sense of there's something really beautiful and special that occurs simply because we're sitting down inside this container to have a conversation. And I, I love that. Mm. And if you, I mean, now I'm sure you, I can kind of feel that you still love it and that therefore it's still happening. If you think about what are the things that create that beautiful, special thing mm. in the coaching, maybe it's the container, maybe it's what, what creates that container. Mm. What mm. are the elements in your work that make for that magic? I love that question because my initial my initial response was like it's nothing to do with me. It just like comes yeah. in. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, and I do think that is that's the heart of it. It really yeah. isn't <laughs> yeah it, well like let's catch it because it's there is a like I, I totally get it and there is a in some ways there's a flaw like you, what you're doing is a beautiful thing. You're gently not accepting the premise of the question, right? Which is that there's something that you're doing. Because it's like there's a way in which that's true, right? It, well, I can feel that that's true, that, that the magic just comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that um, over time, as I started to you know love what was occurring and feel like I was witnessing something really beautiful, really just witnessing something beautiful, then I started to consciously surrender to it. And so there is now in my coaching conversations, a, a very strong, you know, relaxation into we're going to come together and then there will be another wonderful presence that also occur that comes into our space. And we're going to surrender to what occurs inside this conversation. And I am, I'm, I, I get to relax into that and consciously get into that dedication inside myself at the beginning of a conversation so that it can happen. Now, I suspect that if I wasn't deciding to do it, if at the beginning of the call, I didn't have this process that had me go, remember, you just relax and it happens. It would still happen anyway, because it just seems to. I think people come together with high, with people coming together with high intentionality, which occurs inside a coaching conversation no matter what, because of the nature of the conversation and because of what we have understood the container to be about calls forth in us, the part of us that creates something beyond what would otherwise be created. It just occurs, but we have to get out of the way. Mm -hmm. If I talk too much, if I got a plan, if I'm running somebody through a prescribed, here's what we're going to do today. It's not going to be magical in my experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's both. It's what it feels like to me. I mean, it's an annoying thing. It's always true, isn't it? But, you know, it is true that it would happen. And it is true that ah, you allow it to happen more mm. than you have, or some people might. Uh, and that's not to say mm. there's anything right or wrong about having a process and taking people through it. Um, but this thing that you're talking about, this wonderful third, third presence, that in my experience, my version of it, 
there are things I can do to welcome that in, to welcome, mm. to invite the surrender, to tune, tune myself up. And you kind of hinted there are some things that you do to do that. Maybe mm. it's just an intention you set, but would you be willing to share sure. what it is you do that, that maybe doesn't make any difference or maybe does? <laughs> Regardless, they give me peace. They feel, yeah. I feel like, check, I've done those things. Mm. Um, well, I think for the most part, um, there are things that I do in my day-to-day life that enable me to feel like I'm resting in the presence of life, that I have life is cradling me and my world. And I am in communication with something beyond my, my own mind. And for me, that's self-care. If without practical self-care, I can, I have a very hard time accessing that place. So I, we were just had this conversation. Well, prior to the official launch of the podcast, I was talking about how I went for my morning jog. Uh, I go for a morning jog out in nature few times a week. I meditate almost every morning. I do an asana practice almost every morning. Um, I, I begin my day with saying hi to life, hi to love, hi to the universe. I'm with you. Um, I'm connecting with you. What you got for me today? And then I remind myself not um, perfectly not effectively all the time. I remind myself throughout the day, remember that this is your reality. You are not, we're none of us in it alone. I'm not in it alone. I am guided, held, and in communion and communication with something greater. I believe that whether that word is God or love or the universe or life, doesn't matter to me what the word is. It feels very real. Um, And so through my day-to-day life, I want to feel that. And so I do things that help me too. And on the beginning of my coaching calls, it's a sense of physically for me, I need to, I want to arrange my body in a way that allows me to feel energy, that allows me to feel energetic flow in my system. Um, It's very physical for me. It's like, oh, now I'm tuned in. I can feel it in my body. And my mind is relaxing because I have arranged myself physically. And that's my my biggest practice. And just that final piece, arranging yourself physically in that way. Tell, can you tell me what that means for you? Sure. Um, I think probably because of my yoga practice and the, how it's been such a large part of my life through you taught, decades. You, you, you taught yoga for a long time as, I did. as well, right? Or you, maybe you do, I don't know. Yeah, no longer teach, um, but did for 10 years. Uh, And so have a very felt experience of, um, no, I feel like I'm at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what my, our system is capable of and what I can tap into. But I feel now um, when there's something beyond muscle and bone, alive in my cells and so for me it has to do with arranging my spine so right now as i'm standing i sort of leaning back i'm sort of i'm i'm rooted into my feet i can feel my crown and my head is lifting up and when i'm arranged this way i can feel what feels like energy moving in my body particularly in the spine and so sitting is a little more tricky for me to feel that that's why i like to stand Um, but when i sit 
it it really is looks like good posture. It looks like Lindsay's practicing good posture. But what I'm doing is aligning myself so that I can feel a sense of energy running that calms my mind. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and I might, when you're talking, mute myself and stand because it's um, uh, a nice invitation. Um, and I think there's so much if people are listening that you can take from what Lindsay said. And there's so many beautiful parts of that of that practice and I, you know one of the questions that was already in my mind and then you kind of pointed at it then and, and, and then maybe we'll come back to the to the story or maybe not was you know you the language you're using really is spiritual language a lot here you know you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, another wonderful presence and life cradling you and being held in communion you said it can be, you can call it God or the universe or whatever you like, but what what do you call it? Uh, I do call it God. I do call it life. And I do call it love. Mm -hmm. Those are my three favorites. They feel intertwined to me and they feel like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Let's do the rewind. So you were invited, and that's interesting, into a group conversation mm -hmm. uh, to potentially become part of a group. And what happened? Who who was doing the? I imagine that this you, you joined this group. Otherwise, this will be a, could be a strange part of the story. Um, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe it may be interesting. Uh, but uh, I imagine you joined the group. Who was who was inviting you, and where did you meet this person? Because you said you met them years sure. earlier. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Tell me about that story. So she had been a speaker at a group that I was a the host of. There goes Robbie. He's standing. It's rising. Yeah, I'm using myself, oh. but um, uh, just people. If if anyone is watching YouTube, you can see I'm now like halfway up with my standing desk, and then I'm going to mute myself and let Lindsay tell some more story. No, but I had to comment. Uh, so I was I was the host of this. Look at how easily your screen goes up. Mine doesn't do that. I know. It's uh, my treat when I move to a new house. Um, I regret it every time my computer loads incredibly slowly because I really could only afford in my business to buy myself a fancy desk or a new computer. But it's working. So um, these are the kind well of decisions done. you have to make at the level of success that I operate in my coaching. coaching well done. I love it, though. Man. Oh, okay, so I met her. I was I was a I was the host of a group. Um, I wasn't the creator of this this group, that, but I was the host of it. It was a group that met once a month to listen to a speaker or have an experience that was meant to enhance their life in some way. And so I was the the host. Well, the woman who created it was on maternity leave, and Amber was the speaker. So she came. Uh, I didn't organize the speakers. I just received them and, you know, introduced them and then managed and ran the session while they spoke to this group that met every month. Um, and Amber came. Her name is Amber Chris, K-R-Y-S-Z. She is based in Los Angeles. Um, and she spoke at that time about um, body love. That was her thing at that time. Uh Years, I was later to learn after I met her, she um, expanded into 
working with people individually, and then working beyond that on many subjects. She did life coach training herself. And then at the point that she reached out to me, uh, um, she had created a group to support coaches in creating thriving businesses because she had learned that at that point herself. Uh, and so she's like, Lindsay, I know you're a coach. I know you've been up to some cool things over the past few years since we met. Um, do you want to have a conversation about this group that I'm going to be running? It might, may or may not be helpful to you. And she became my coach. I, I did her group and I worked with her one-on-one a number of times have. Um, Laurie, let's just catch you, Lindsay. So this interesting sorry. thing happened. Uh, no, no, I, I'm interrupting. Uh, you don't need to apologize. Um, <laughs> the invitation is an interesting piece, right? So she sent yeah. you an invitation at that moment, which yeah. the way you described it was a very easeful thing and happened mm-hmm. for you to be a thing that you were like, yeah, this sounds mm-hmm. great. This is exactly mm-hmm. what was coming along at that time. And yet I know from inside me and I know from talking to other people, the feeling of sending an invitation can be really different. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'm just interested, you know, uh, so I, even though I interrupted you, I heard you joined the group, you've worked with her one-on-one, several coaching engagements, right? Came from yeah. this one moment where Amber probably sat down and thought, I'm going to run a group for coaches. Who have I ever yes. met yeah. who might be interested in this? And 100%. sent out, for all we know, 70 invitations. 100%. Um, that is the reality that. for sure on her yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. and and But for you, on the other side of it was like, because this is thank a little while ago in the conversation. Thank, yeah, thank, literally, thank you, God, for presenting me with this thing that yes. I know I don't want to quit, but I need help. And here yes. it is. Yeah. Yes. And I love that you highlighted that because that's the part about running a coaching business that I needed to learn. I needed to learn how to lead the interaction, how to send an invitation, how to have a conversation from a non-attached serving place. Um, how to do it, even though it felt highly uncomfortable and to do it with people that I was sure had their shit more figured out than me. And I was <laughs> sure we're going to look at me and go, who does she think she is that she could be of service to me in this way? I, I had to work my way through all of that. I had to learn to do it anyways. Um, and I love that you highlighted the reality of it, which is that we do invite way more than the number of yeses we receive. We have far more conversations than the number of clients we sign. And that is the reality of the business of coaching. Uh, And we do need to lead and be an instigator more than, in my experience, more than the recipient of someone reaching out to us saying, please, can you help me? Um, we need to take that initiative upon ourselves to say, do you want my help? Um, here's a, here's an invitation, send those emails, reach out, invite people in. And that was what Amber had learned and what she was demonstrated to me. And I got to be on the receiving end of, and it was wonderful because as I was learning the process myself from her, I, she got to say, but remember how it felt when you got that invitation from me. And I could remember And now I have a number and then I got to experience people saying, oh my gosh, how did you know I needed this right now? Yes. Yeah. That's what it can be like, right? The invitation. Now, not always, because there'll be people that don't reply, people who aren't interested, people who never see it because their email is organized so badly. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) absolutely true. That's 
imagine if you know this is one of the things i is one of the tricks that i always pull on myself since somebody pulled it on me in a coaching session years ago is how many people how many times do you need to get that one person going oh my god how did you know that this is exactly what i need mm. right now for it to be worth some discomfort on your part and mm. robbie's answer is mm. always one really annoyingly i wish it was like a thousand because that would be a good reason to not do things but the answer is yeah. always one it's like well you know i can get over you know i really got to get over myself because if you get one if there's one person whose life is that impacted by you know a few emails that i might send a few whatsapp messages whatever it is then yes that's worth it on the higher level even though on the kind of in my life it may feel like a terrifying ridiculous 100 thing to do it really does it really doesn't sound like a terrifying ridiculous stupid thing to do. <laughs> and that mm. hasn't gone away like there uh. I, I sent out um uh, a round of uh, a couple invitations last a couple weeks ago i guess i sent them out and i and i it felt like a ridiculous stupid terrifying thing to do and i was certain that the people were going to be like excuse me like i have my shit way more figured out than you and they didn't they said thank you thank you this is what i needed how did you know i can't wait tell me when um yeah it's just such an interesting it's a beautiful required dissolution of resistance and misperception and self-doubt mm. that occurs as a result of the reality of running a coaching business it's it's phenomenal what it what are like um i think mostly people think about the, the results of trying to run a coaching business as being a, a coaching business um, but what an amazing thing to notice that one of the results of it is this wonderful, I can't remember, I'm not going to get the words, dissolution of resistance <laughs> and self-doubt. That's what's yeah. like, what an amazing thing to say. That's what's possible if we take courageous steps in building our coaching business Yes, is, is, is some version of that. And I feel very similar. So you joined the group with Amber and do you remember what, like, I don't know, like I want to get into maybe, maybe in a minute we'll talk about like, what were the things you practically what were the things you learned but first yeah. would you remember like what was it like to be in a group and i don't know amber like, terrifying what was group to learn <laughs> say some more about that <laughs> it was terrifying not to mention i had all this stuff about like oh it's in los angeles and oh, los yeah. angeles is very glamorous and yeah. and all the all the beautiful famous people live in los angeles um fantastic like could not have been a better setup for me to be required to meet all the stuff that I really was served to meet and have come through me and, and set down. It was like a, this beautiful setup for that. Um, but terrifying, terrifying. I, I, I'm scared every time I sign up for a group and every time I walk in, it, it hasn't gone. It's, it's only that now I have lived through it enough times that I'm like, it's going to be okay. And I can, and I know that to be true, but that first time, Particularly because the we were we were required to and in in order to res, res, create results, be very very honest. And here I was thinking that the way to create success was look successful, and I had to show up in front of these other women who I thought were amazing, and in front of this coach who I thought was amazing, and say I'm really struggling. I don't know what I'm doing. My bank balance is this. 
here's what I'm not earning. Here's what I'd like to be earning. Everything was on the table. And here you are all witnessing me fall regularly and repeatedly falling down as I try new things. I hated it. There was a part of me that hated it. And there was a part of me, that part that thank goodness shows up regularly was like, this is really good. This is amazing. This is exactly what we need. This is awesome. What were the structures, if there were any in the group or the processes that uh, helped you, help that part of you maybe know that this is awesome? Was it maybe it was the honesty and how whatever mm. created that? But you, yeah, what's your yeah? Feeling? Well, I think it was being in the room with people who were super honest, who like we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation. We're having honest conversations. I had I, there was a dearth of that in my life at that time, um, and and so it was such a relief to get to sit beside people who were saying, "Well, you were also there too." Like we're there too. We don't get it either. We don't know what to do either. We've been struggling for a while too. And we're, we have this heart and we have this passion and we have this caring. Um, and I, I think a, a, a part of that was the way Amber set it up from the get go. And I think we do get to do this as coaches whenever we bring a group together, but she did it very well. You know, she, she, she got us all to create agreements about how we would hold each other and how we would be with each other, the respect we would have, the love we would we would offer, um, the kindness that we would stand for, the support we would stand for from the get-go. She said, let's be this way with each other and for each other throughout this process. And that also very much helped. That was phenomenal. Mm. And you've talked in this conversation a few times about learning the skill set you needed to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think that what you're saying is a lot of that happened or began to happen in this group. Is that right? 100%. Yeah. That's so what it was about. Yeah. And if you look at that skill set now, or if you think about what were the things that the program taught you, how would you break that down? Sure. Uh, one, I would break it down into, um, for me, I needed to really learn how to be in my professional self inside my coaching interactions. Um, this is, uh, and I should add, um, much of what I learned from Amber was what she learned from her coach who had learned it from their coach, who was Steve Chandler, who was Rich Litvin's initial coach and people I guess talk about him as the godfather of coaching. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and the the uh what is it? So the the person in between was Carolyn Freya Jones. Am I remembering? Yes. That right? And yeah, that so, is Amber's coach. Yes. Yeah, so I remember so for, for some listeners will have heard me talk before. A really important moment that Carolyn Freya Jones does definitely not remember is that I asked her a question on a live call once. And the the answers she gave were essentially the the in some ways, the foundations on which I grew my coaching business. So it's like, that's the kind of impact we can have. And she's an amazing woman, as is, from what I know of him, um, Steve Chandler. So, yes. yeah. So, okay. So there was some way in which this was, you were getting some of that teaching through the flavor of, yeah. of Amber at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So she assigned us, what's the name? What's the name of the book now? 
that's like she called it her coaching Bible, the prosperous coach. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that was our first one of our assigned readings. And I still think that book has the the heart and soul and the bones of a successful coaching practice in it. Um uh, and so we learned for me about in large part, it was about um being my professional self inside all my coaching communications and interactions. And I needed to move away from graspy, pleasy emojis and exclamation marks into um, I'm offering this something wonderful and I'm neutral about whether or not you decide you want to say yes to a conversation. And I'm also um, keeping my conditioned self, my personality at bay. I mean, she's over to the side when I'm coaching. I'm now Coach Lindsay. Coach Lindsay is different than Hangout Lindsay and Friend Lindsay. And I needed to really learn to step into that in all of my communication and interactions. So I did. I also learned how to send invitations. I learned how to run an initial conversation. I learned how to make a proposal. I learned how to navigate what happens after you make a proposal when People say, holy shit, that's a lot of money, or oh my God, that's a lot of time. Um, I learned how to navigate that uh, part of the conversation. Um, and then I worked on my, on the inside, I worked on my relationship with money, wealth, money consciousness. That was part of the program. And these are things that I now get to support coaches that I uh, provide mentorship to or work with as well. As I put them into practice over the years and grew my business, then it became something other coaches wanted to receive from me. So I now get to do that, which is phenomenal. Um, but those were the thing; those were a lot of it to summarize, sort of like what I was learning and what I needed to learn. Yeah, I love it. It's an amazing summary. So it's like a, it's like a. There's a what is it like a curriculum there? If people are listening to to kind of yeah. follow, you know, it's like the professional self invitations that initial conversation the proposal all the stuff that happens after the proposal which is not a, a yes and it is a yeah. yes yes um, and then and yeah. then money in there as well yeah yeah beautiful yeah. and hmm. it's like it's hard because it's like a i don't know how long was this group program like six months or something probably yeah. um six months yeah you know, six months of that plus uh, when was this that you did 20... the group 2014, yeah, I would say. So, so plus like nine years of practicing and put this into practice. But, yeah. Um, and, but, but what, hmm, when you think about those different areas now, mm. for you, what were the most interesting or significant practical things that changed as you went through that process? I mean, you said one, right? It's fewer exclamation marks and emojis. <laughs> I don't know if that was literally true, if that's a metaphor. That was but literally like, true. But yeah, like it, it's a different thing, right? If you're getting a, a message from Lindsay, the person, and here I am, I'm a professional, right? That's one of the things mm -hmm. I hear in that. Um, mm -hmm. Do you still use emojis in your private life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good. What's up um, with me? They're all, they're, it's all happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, what are the, what were the practical shifts? Or, or maybe it's when you're teaching and, and mentoring coaches now. What are the thing, the most common things that you're 
practical things because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's some coaching that happens and needs to happen and, and that's in some of this but there are also mm-hmm. some like you said there's some skills to be learned about how to send invitations about how to run those conversations so yeah i mean we could take them all we've got time but like it, i'm wondering what stands out in this moment as the most significant or the least talked about or or just what stands out for you uh what stands out for me now is how to run that initial conversation and how that's in the initial, but included in that is kind of more primary of in, in, in importance, but maybe not. It's hard to say. Close, very close. The, the first part is a very close second running, uh, learning how to run the conversations is how to stay in the conversation and navigate the conversation when people are processing the proposal. They're processing mm. the reality of what it looks like to work with you, which is for for most uh, of us very different than they're used to working with with anybody in any way. Because typically, it's like you pay per session, you schedule when you want. It's fairly nominal. It's it's a it can be a stretch fee still if it's like 100, 110 bucks for a therapy session or whatever it is. It's, that's not small small change. Um, but coaching is different at least the way that I that I approach it and the way that I found value as on receiving end and on the giving end. And so it's it's a lot for people to take in in that, oh wow, that's tips. there's some form of that that reliably happens. Um and so learning to stay in the conversation, to see what's occurring inside the person, to support them with what is occurring inside them for their highest good from a non-attached place was and remains one of the most important practical um, tools, skills that I honed and continue to hone and got coaching around and, and offer to coaches that I now work with. That part is enormous in terms of creating a difference in our the people we have a conversation with lives and the number of yeses yeah and i imagine also like the quality of yeses not in any you know just like Mm -hmm. getting the right people at the right time in the right way yeah i mean in as much or as little details feels right how do those what do those initial conversations look like for you now sure uh different than when i first was learning this i I was sharing this with somebody a client of mine in a conversation last week i said when i first started this it was like i had 10 minute increments mapped out on a paper and it would be like okay first 10 minutes now we do this second 10 minutes you do this And and i followed that and it worked and it was effective and it was what i needed at that time um now i approach it much more open, much less structured, much less planned because I feel comfortable with that now. But overall, there is, I still continue to ask people to tell me everything that is currently happening in their life that they want to share, everything that they'd like to be happening in the future that they want to experience. And then I ask them what's in the way. And we, then I coach them around something. There's no way we we cover everything. We have talked about all like 80% of what we can talk about in the time that 
they've got and in, at that moment in their life, what they can voice. Um, we can't cover it all. We find something that I can coach them around. And then from there we see. It's like we may put another conversation on the calendar. I may give them some homework. And maybe at the point where I say, do you want to talk about doing this more so we can get you here, this place you want to be? Do you want to know what that would look like? Um, that's how it goes now. Um, yeah, and I think it's a really important thing to say. You kind of describe, I mean, we kind of, most people who have done some coaching training have, have, have you know, seen that, whatever it is, unconscious uncompetent incompetence conscious i mean i don't know maybe you haven't i don't know you know yes Yes, conscious incompetence conscious competence unconscious competence many people have seen that you Mm. just described that right you've described Mm. essentially uh, i don't know maybe maybe it was at first it was unconscious incompetence it was like i don't know that i'm not good at running a coaching business and then you knew right you were like where's the help i know that i need some help with this (laughs) what is it and then you've just described the conscious competence bit which is I'm going to do this in 10 minute increments. That's how this conversation works. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to say that. And I used to have at the start of every potential coaching session uh, session with a potential client, like the top, I don't know, quarter of my page was this quite small written, or maybe not. At first, it was probably a whole page that I had in the back of my notebook that I would have open. And then gradually, it became a small bit, of, like the half of a page. Right. And then after a while, it became like, <laughs> now now I still do usually write three words or four words or something. Sure. Um, and that's to remind myself to make sure that I talk about the fact that there's a coaching agreement and and um, uh, some things that I do at the start of a call like that. But uh, yeah, And yeah. then in the end, though, you know, I, you know, I remember it's really important to say this because people would I remember one of my clients who wasn't a coach saying, like, I want to be as smooth when I'm talking about this thing in my life as you just were in the first, mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever it was, 15 uh... minutes of this call. And it was really important to say to him, yeah, but it didn't, it wasn't always like that, right? This is practice yeah. for having this conversation hundreds of times so that it it's not reciting lines. It's it's yeah. saying the things that are important from presence. But I have said those things that are important. And it wasn't always from presence. Sometimes it was from a page of notes that I had in front of me. And, totally. and that's really important. That's totally. And, and then though, there comes a time when it can be much more free and there's a really nice framework and approach to those conversations that you've just shared. And then w- what about that 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 second, that close second that you talked about, the, the being with people as they're processing? Mm. I mean, some of mm. it, I guess, is in what you just said, but what is it about that that makes it so significant? Well, I think what was really cool, really neat to learn, and this was went through Amber's coaching, mentorship, teaching, and encouragement, um, was to watch for how the way we do one thing is the way that we do everything, which you said earlier on the call. Um, and if one of our jobs as coaches is to watch for that and is to be witness to how we as human beings hold ourselves back the habitual places we go to that get in our way, then we can watch for that as people are responding to the invitation to create the thing they want. And what, where do they, where does their mind habitually go that likely continues to get in their way and has been getting in their way for years? And for so many of us, that is money. And so many of, of, uh, uh, for, of us, that is time. And those are both relationships that can be transformed. And so it's a really neat thing. And I didn't 
it was very uncomfortable. I had to really just continue to try and continue to do it and be like, I'm sure I'll get better at this. I'm sure it will get easier. I will continue to be, try this. Um, but now it's very neat to see how true that is and how, how if we can hold a place of, I'm not attached to your yes, but here's what I'm seeing. Does this occur at other times for you? How often does this come up as the reason why you can't? do a thing if we watch for that it's a really fun moment in the conversation it's it's often the thing that makes the biggest difference out of the coaching session so it's it's fun <laughs> and and yeah like i love the way you're saying it's fun because i get you know that's that's really holding it in that way and um i i really you know, it is a really important moment, isn't it? Because it is really, it's that it's one of, there are a few, but you know, I, I sometimes for some people showing up, like reaching out to a coach is, is what a moment that is. And, you, oh, know, you know, and what yeah. a, a thing they've said at that point, because they've, they've implicitly said, I want to change something. And I, and they actually I took my friend Mike saying this, um, who's a psychotherapist as well, but it's such a powerful thing. They've also said on some level, conscious or otherwise, I believe it's possible to change. Mm. Um, and then there's this moment where, you know, the container of the coaching, which is, and, and maybe we talk about that because like, maybe you're doing crazy things. No wonder people are want, worrying about, about what to do. Um, you know, we could talk about that in a sec, but there's some kind of ask of, of energy well, and of these things that you, 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 as you say, are often things that hold people back of an ask mm -hmm. of energy and time or commitment or money, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. they're having to make a decision again about. And, for people yes. who are struggling with charging, I think it's one of the greatest acts of service that charging somebody for this is, is it makes them really think about it and really put their money in and really like they put their money where their mouth is, I guess is the phrase, but really mm -hmm. check, is this the moment for me? And that's not everything it is, but it, it is a part of it. Yes. Really, with the way you're talking about it, I can really hear the service of that, of that thing. And like you say, even if they don't work with you, if you can give them that, like it may be that no one else will ever have the yep. chance to to point out in that moment with them and help them see a thing which they may have never seen or never get the chance to see. And what a gift that can be. Yeah. Totally. Um, maybe before we start moving to talk about how you work now. Um, I'm just still interested, you know, because again, you emphasized it twice and it does feel like it's in the sweet spot, really, of the questions that some listeners come to this show for or are asking themselves. Most of us are asking ourselves, right? It's, it's, it's like, what's the, what are the things I don't know that would help me run mm. a much, much more successful, or exciting business? Mm, and, mm. um, you know, you talked about those different areas and you kind of touched on two or three of them. What about, you know, what about invitations or, or the proposals? Mm. What about, yeah. is there anything that stands out about those that, that I mean, we've talked about invitations mm -hmm. a little bit, but is there anything mm -hmm. that stands out about how mm -hmm. you think about those now or what you've learned mm -hmm. over the years? Yeah. Um, I think with, within both of those, well, proposals are slightly different. Let's, let's talk about, when within both of those, there's there's a place that I, need to hold it which is um i'm 
sharing information and making a proposal, which is basically just talking about what it looks, what it will look like to work with somebody. And then I make, or I'm making an invitation. I'm saying, do you want this thing? Um, but I need to hold it from that place. I can't hold it. I can't be like, I am sending this email because I really want this person to say yes to this conversation. I need this person. I want this person. I They must say yes. I I cannot hold it like that. And it, nothing in the communication can convey that. Nothing in the email can be uh, even read as that in my experience. Because then we're already in a um, role reversal in this scenario. In the interaction in the relationship. Um, so I, I'm care, I'm mindful of my wording. I'm in, I'm in high intentionality. I'm in my connection to my heart. Am I seeing the other person? I'm in the serving of the offering. And the offering is, do you want to have a conversation with me? I have no idea where it will go. I have no idea if we'll, you or I will decide we want anything more once that conversation is complete. And I am genuinely in that place when I offer that we're we're here to have one conversation. We don't know what will occur and we don't know if it will go anywhere after that. But I'm game to clear 90 minutes for you or an hour if you want that. If you don't, it's also totally fine. Mm. I, and that needs to be my communication as well as how I genuinely hold it. And then in the proposal, it's similar. Um it cannot be, I need this person's money. We all know this is a question. We can't, we can't be like, I need this money. I am thinking about me and my needs and what's going on in my world when I'm talking about working with you and what it would look like and how much it would cost. Um, neutral about the fee, because I've said it a billion times in my head, or I've said it a billion times now in reality. Neutral about the can whether or not they say yes or no, curious about what they will say. Because I want to see what comes up for them. And all of it's in the holding of it and the languaging that needs to reflect that holding in my experience. Mm. Lovely. And so you did this work with Amber. And mm. what happened then in your coaching? I mean, I know this is the, the group program is only the start of it, and you did other work with mm -hmm. her, it sounds like, and, and you know, I'm sure there have been other things, but what what happened next? Uh, I continue to do the work. It was like the the, the brass tacks of coaching, um, of sending invitations, being out in the world, creating connections with people, uh, making proposals, and then uh, from there, you, you're your, you have your billings, you have your incoming money from a place of clarity, non-attachment, serving, professionalism. I continue to do all that. Okay. So I was like, okay, I, I know this. I've seen the results. Um, I wasn't, my business was not skyrocketing in terms of finances, but I had made more money than I ever had as a coach. Do learning these things and practicing them during that time. And I was like, okay, so we've got, this has legs now. I've seen there's there this works for me. I've seen that it can. I continue to work at it, work at it. Um, it it didn't, I feel like it never felt easy. It didn't feel easy. It was still like I'm working at this and I'm practicing this. And I'm like, I don't have it down yet, but I'm gonna keep just repeatedly doing all of these things that I know work. Get help from Amber, 
you know, sign up with her one-on-one, get more support, see more growth as a result of deepening into my, all of the things, my personal growth and my professional growth. Um, Seeing all of that essentially is kind of boring, I think, because all I did was continue to do the stuff I had learned, but grow it and work at it and try harder and feel like I wasn't getting it. And then feel like I was, and I just stayed the path. I just stuck with it. That was all I did. Yeah, it's like the simple but not easy, right? Not to stay easy. the path because I don't know. Like I, I thought about it a lot last year because I I was doing one of my books and it's the book about keeping going. And I really started to get uh-huh. into like, well, what what happens if you're the one who keeps going? Well, if you're the one who keeps, so that was 2014, right? So you've been you've been you know mm. the, doing the boring thing for nine years now. Yeah, yeah. In that time, I would I would hazard that more than a million coaches have been trained and given up over uh, that time. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Like the number might be wrong, but it's like, it's not that there's the wrong thing for them to give up and that kind of thing, but it's not yeah. nothing that you kept doing the brass tacks. And I, I really heard that thing. I think it's an important moment having a sense that, okay, this works for me. Um, that's quite mm-hmm. a moment. Um, hmm. And... So um, I don't know if you know this, but some listeners will. There's a I have a community of coaches that that kind of surrounds the podcast, and one of the things at some of the levels is they can ask questions of the guests. And one of the questions mm. I got for you was, um, you know, you talked about the prosperous coach, and mm. it, in some ways, any people who have read that book or, or you know got really into it will be able to hear the echoes of it in in the things you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you've obviously also taken it and made it your own um mm-hmm. taken some of the ideas that you learned from amber and and, and mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. what of the what are the like making it your own bits what, right. what are they like or what's what which of those are most important to you in how you i guess think about your business mm-hmm. now maybe and and how you use those things still um i, I don't know if this is u- unique to me or that it, it wasn't present in you know, Amber's training, coaching, or that it's not present in Steve and his work. I suspect that it is, but I know for me personally, um, that it's that spiritual piece that it's, it's, it, it is who I am. It is how I see the world is. It is how I see other human beings. I'm not, uh, imposing it on anybody across from me. I can have a secular, completely pragmatic conversation with somebody if that is of service. Um, but I like that I see people as, as, as a soul, as an infinite being. I like that I feel that there is a presence of God or love or life or the universe in my life and they don't need to. And I, and it's, it's not a, better than thing. It's kind of tricky to talk about because I don't want to feel like anyone's lacking or different. They have a different perspective, but it has been very of service to me because it has helped my coaching when I'm mindful that there is a, a conditioned self, when I'm mindful there is a mind, when I'm mindful that there is an ego and that beneath that is untouched phenomenalness and if i can just 
see somebody and sit across from them and say, I know that this is all occurring on your surface, but just so you know, this is who I believe you to be on the inside. It feels amazing. And I love that. Um, I think it feels good for the people on the other end <laughs> to be held in that way also. Um, whether I use those words with them or not. Um, but embracing that and just saying, this is this is who I am. This is how I see people. It feels good. It feels nice to me. It feels phenomenal to be in a conversation with that. Um, that's what I really like. Mm. Yeah, and it's just, a, you know, I guess the flavor I get from it is um, that there is space within. I mean, there's space within any approach, right, as you play with it to bring... Mm you know, those unique things that feel really true, present part of you. And I guess I would totally, I would guess that that's where the magic happens, right? When we're, do, <laughs> when we're doing that. Um, and so maybe, I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but how does that part of you, the spiritual part, how does that play into the the practical ways you work with people? The, you know, the, the, the mm. ways you work one-to-one, the, the the different group things you might do, the, you know, how does it play into that? I, I can hear that it'll be present in the work you're doing, uh, like the, the actual work, like in the moment, whether it's a group mm. or an individual, I, mm. I, I can feel how that will be there. But what mm. about how you think about structuring those things and fees and uh, what, I don't know, sure. how the business runs? Yeah. Um, well, one of the greatest um approaches that I've gotten to live into over the past year particularly is a higher level of surrender. So in terms of the practicalities of what I create or what step I take next or whether or not someone enrolls or not, I've been practicing over a number of years and then did it in a very different more pronounced way than I ever have last year. Being like uh, you got this. Uh, I trust that where we're going is fun and good. And so you tell me what's the next step. What am I creating? What am I going to do? And just for people who are listening, um, Lindsay, when she says you is pointing above and herself to the right. And that's where the wonderful presence, there we go. the third presence was before. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's who the you is when it's, you've got this. Right? Yeah. yeah. You is the, you is, God, life, universe, whatever term. I haven't got the perfect one. Um, and then that that comes into um, fees because I've it's uh, money's got like so much to teach us. Money is just like oh my gosh, what a Tell perfect. Us some things. What have you learned about money or from money? <laughs> um, uh, I suppose I learned. I think one of the neat things about it, the way our society is set up is that I think we can live without it. And people do. Um, if I want to participate in the things that I want to participate in our society, it's a, it's a cash transfer. There's some sort of money required. So in order to make money to do the things I want to do, I have to figure out how to make money. And in order to figure out how to make good money, I have to learn how to be in greater integrity I have to learn how to be in more non-attachment. I have to learn how to be in serving. I have to learn how to be in high levels of self-care. 
I have to learn how to decouple my value from my fee. Um, I have to learn how to let um, money enter the realm of another avenue for personal growth for myself and other people. All of these things are phenomenal, uncomfortable, did not like them, still don't like them sometimes. But how amazing if we can practice this stuff around something that's such a strong presence in our life. Um, I forget how we got there, Robbie, or if I was supposed to go somewhere after that. But that was what I've, some of the things I've learned from money. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, no, 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 we came here because we were thinking about how does that surrender? I know what it was. Come practicality. How things practically work, yeah. But you also asked me about practicality in terms of like fees and um, what I do in my business and running groups, working with individuals. Um, I haven't run a group in a long time. I have run groups. I enjoyed them because I've been really in the like, what's the next thing for me? That that answer hasn't come. Mm. Um, And so I haven't done that in a while. Um, uh, In terms of how I you know, structure my coaching. Um, it, I, I, I have a longer container than not than most coaches, but then people have never done coaching or familiar with it's like typically six months or a year. Um, that is set up to support the personal transformation that can occur. And that often is required to occur in order to create what they want. And so in order for somebody, for all of us to move through our conditioning, move through our ego, work through the pieces that are for our highest good in order to become who we are on the inside, that amount of time is most of service. And so there's a connection there. Um, And how neat to present a fee that invites somebody to work through all the crap we get to work through when it comes to money. Uh, and let have them potentially also then have a different relationship and experience of it for the rest of their life. That's also really neat. Mm. Um, this conversation's, you know, been at least in the last part of it, quite, quite a lot about how you've built your coaching business. Um, and I know that you've got other things, various other things going on at the moment. And mm-hmm. um, this is interesting to me, like, because I've noticed recently, I noticed last year, I can't remember if I've said this on this show or not, um, I had a really stark reminder of the power of the things that I have learned through growing my coaching business in other parts of my life. And and, and oh the, situ- the situation was basically that for my dad's 70th birthday, we my sister and I had exactly the same idea pretty much independently, which is that he'd been talking about this music that he made in his thirties that had kind of just like gone away. And he was thinking he'd love to, for some people to make something of it. He wanted to put it on the internet so that somebody else could pick it up and do something with it. Mm. And so we had the idea that we could do that for him. But in fact, Mm. what we got to was we would ask some people to, to do the thing he actually wanted, which was to do something with the songs. And I wrote to a bunch of people and invited them to be part of it. And there's just no possible, I can feel a little, like I can feel some of the, it wasn't easy to do it, mm-hmm. right? but there's no possible way that I would have done it with the mm-hmm. relative level of comfort 
And and it was, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my, you know, my sister did a little bit. My brother didn't do any of this, right? It's like no, mm. nothing against them, but right, like the, right. the energy to to create these things, the invitations that went out were, let's say, yes. between the three of us, ninety six percent me, and yeah. that is undoubtedly <laughs> because I have sent hundreds of invitations for people to be uh-huh. part of something amazing yeah. if they want to, and I have craft been able to find the way to yeah. make those offers in a way that both invites people to do the thing. And gives them permission to not do it because, of course, not everybody yeah. said yes. And yes. Um, yeah, although actually, amazingly, I mean, everybody—I think everybody that I sent a direct invitation to said yes to this thing. So we ended up wow. with this collection of songs, which wow. we we sprung on my wow, dad in fantastic mommy. fashion. But it's like there's no way that happens, right? Unless I've done practiced this thing, and 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 I had a kind of totally. I had a kind of. I tried to create this in a video, I think, a Coach's Journey video I made, which we can put a link to, which is like these things that you can practice, which will help you grow your coaching business. They are independently invaluable things to uh, practice. Like it's almost it's yes. almost invaluable to be able to connect with new people. Almost everybody in their life wants to be able to do that more right. effortlessly. Uh, right. To be able to invite people to be part of something that could be amazing for them and could be amazing yeah. for you. To be able to talk comfortably about money and offer what you yeah. can offer to people and to be able to create powerful coaching experiences, right? Those are amazing things that most coaches would love to do. And and so I'm curious, and as part of coming into this, you mentioned that exact thing, mm-hmm. how the things you've learned in totally. your coaching business are spreading out into other projects that you've got on the go. So I'd love to hear mm-hmm. about those other projects and also how you've seen those things you learned in your coaching ripple out into other parts of your life. I love that story so much. I think you summarized it so beautifully. Um, also how, what an incredible gift to give your dad. Um, it's so very, so lovely. Yeah, it was, a, it but, was a really, really good piece of work that we did. Um, it yeah. Was, yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of seeing, you said it so well that these skills you know, are, are valuable independent of our coaching business. And um, I don't know. I think I, I talk to a lot of people who consider themselves to be multi-passionates or they've heard that term. And they're like, but that's so me. I don't have this one thing. And they're coaches and they're creatives and they're um, working at a bank and they're working in for the police. And, and I don't really know anybody who, it's like I, this one thing gives me everything I need, um, and so I can, you know, coaches are no no different from that, um, and I'm the same. I could talk with great integrity and truth about the love of conversation, my love of people, and what occurs in a coaching conversation, and yet for a long time there's been a part of me that was like same part that signed me up for coaching was like, well, now there's something else. And I was like, what is it? And I was like, well, you know. And I was like, no, I don't know. It's <laughs> like, yes, you do. Uh, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't want to do that thing. That's the most terrifying thing I can think of. That is not what I thought we were supposed to be up to next. Um, and just, just to catch it, Lindsay, like that, someone listening is having this terrible moment right now because they, <laughs> they too know the thing. Right. Uh, right. And they really don't want to do it. 
Like we've all had those, like we all either have or have had or will have those things if we're bold enough to listen. The thing that will not go away, that is the thing that you're like, that sounds so fun, but also batshit crazy, excuse me. Who are you two? Why would you ever? The, the, the thing, and I had had this thing, and you'll know this, Rami, um, uh, about, and it's, it's, I am still uncomfortable saying it because I have, I have laid in it and put with all sorts of stuff. There was always this invitation about, it was like film and television, film and television. Of course, I was like, excuse me, no experience, no practice, blah, blah, blah. Um, also, it, to me, I was like, that's very egotistical of me to want to do that. The way I imagined what would occur if I said yes to exploring film and television felt to me like it was a very all about me experience. And so it was one of the reasons why I repeatedly said no to it over the years, that that desire. Uh, and then last year, or the year, probably the year before that, because I spent all the last year working towards the point I am now. Um, I'll share this story because it's pretty it's pretty cool. But here I go being very woo-woo and spiritual again. I woke up in the morning and I had a whole day of not needing, like I didn't have anything on the schedule. I had, you know, like emails and stuff, but no scheduled appointments. And first, I think my kid was going to go be with the nanny at the nanny share home. So I didn't have her at that time to take care of either. And for some reason, I didn't have to get out of bed right away. It was probably because I had set aside an hour to do my yoga and meditation. So I didn't have to get out of bed right away. Everyone was still asleep. I woke up and I, and I immediately started to go into the like, okay, here's the day, even though there was nothing on the day, but what do I need to do? I got to get up right now. So I can get this done by this time. Da, da, da. And I heard a voice say, lie down. This is, you're the second person I'm telling this story to. And now I've all of your listeners. Um, and I was like, okay. And it was essentially like some, like somebody came into my brain and said, show me this thought that you're having. I want us to to get rid of it. And as I was saying, okay, well, here's what I think I need to do next. And I was like, no, you don't. You need to just be still. Okay, well, here's this, the practicality of the day. I want you to stop thinking about that. It was very, very interesting experience. Never had anything like this in my life. Haven't, haven't again. Um, and, and eventually I was like, well, what do I do? I was like, what do you want to do? Like, well, I feel like I should get up now. Okay, go ahead. And essentially for a number of hours that day, I was having a, a dialogue with maybe a part of myself, who knows, maybe it's maybe some part of me that isn't a part of myself that was saying, Lindsay, show me all of your limiting thoughts. Show me all of your self-doubt. Show me all the reasons why you have been holding yourself back or you think yourself less than in some way. And inside this dialogue and over this number of hours in which I felt very peaceful and incredibly inspired, um, all of that was silenced. It is not permanently silenced. It did come back, but for a, a long period of time, that day was silenced. And at the end of that time, I was like, well, the doer in me came back and I was like, now what do I do from this place? And I was like, send an acquaintance of mine, a friend of mine, actually the woman we were doing, the, whose kid was in the nanny share, who was in the, the TV industry here in Vancouver, send her a message about your idea that you have. 
for a show. Ask her for her feedback. And it was terrifying. It, 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 all of the peace went away as I had that thought. But I never would have gotten to the point of really saying, this is the thing to do next and you must do it or doing it. I don't think I would have gotten there had I not been told to lie down, be still and stop telling yourself you can't. Um, and her response, of course, was lovely. This was in La, which we're just interested. So this was 2021. Um, that began a chain of events that had me utilizing my coaching skills, utilizing my outreach skills, utilizing my emailing people about something and inviting them in skills, utilizing my creating new connection skills over the course of the year of 2022 to come up with um, essentially uh, a documentary film proposal that is now being considered for funding and distribution and has had had some preliminary positive excited feedback um uh here in Vancouver in partnership with two producers who I did not know had never met I had no film industry contacts one of whom I didn't know was amazing as she is when she decided she wanted to be a part of the project um is a is a very well lauded well awarded well respected producer in Canada and in Vancouver is now part of the project. It's it's amazing. It's crazy. What occurred makes no sense to my logical brain or to anybody who's in the industry and has been working very hard to do the thing which we are now doing. Um, that was the result of spiritual co connection, I see. And knowing I was using my coaching skills. I was uncomfortable. Every time somebody said, I want, I love this idea. I want to put you in touch with so-and-so. Here's their email. Use my name, reach out to them, say, I think they should meet with you, which happened time and time again. I spent weeks waiting to send that email because I was so uncomfortable. I had to deal with all my own stuff about who am I to and what will they think and all that stuff. And I had to self-coach and then finally I had to do it, even though I was feeling resistance anyway. But I got to use my coaching skills on myself and my invitations to craft it as high intentionality about the serving behind the reason why I want to do this. Here is what I want to contribute to. It's okay with me if you don't want to connect with me. Um, and I, I really got to use the coaching training to get us here. Crazy. And you just got to think, um, People who I, I don't know if this is true, but I imagine that people who work in certain, especially certain roles in in film and TV, get emails from people all the time. All the time. You, know, you had various things going for you. You may have had an introduction and a name and what sounds, yeah. you know, what, what may be a wonderful idea, but you also had the ability to write these messages in a way that invites a response, practiced and and yeah, uh, uh, fine tuned over many years. Yeah, yeah not to toot my horn about that because I think it's not unique to me. I think what we're saying here is it is something that can be learned yeah. and and harnessed through practice. And I was grateful every time I sat down to write an email that I had received training and that I had practiced um because I it, I got to do it and I knew I kind of was like I I got this. Like I know how to do this. Yeah. Um you might not be able to tell us this, but are you able to tell us the idea? Um, sure. Yeah. I don't know that anybody, I don't know that 
the we'll people who are it. in the industry would have rec- would recommend this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I but I but I love it so much. Um, the the idea was to bring together a group of women women plus so women non-binary trans women um, that I can identify within any of those um, uh, those spheres um, who are up to really good things for people in the planet in their businesses or their nonprofit organization. So um, they, these are individuals who not, who care, not only carry hope, but bank on it. Their business and their nonprofit relies on the reality of things getting better and Mm -hmm. on other people agreeing. I believe things can get better and that this business and this nonprofit is is worth um, supporting and buying things from investing time and money into because yes, we are headed somewhere better than we are today. And I wanted to bring a group of them together and show them to the world and say, look at these beings who, although they may lose it from time to time, have invested their life, their energy, where they put the most of their time into an assumption that we can create a better future for people and planet. And this is how they're doing it. And this is their intimate story. This is their humanity with the hope that we can all see ourselves in that and be reassured and also inspired to participate in the direction of hope and creating good ourselves. So that's what it is. Well. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, speak speak on behalf of everybody. Good luck with it. Um, Thank you. How exciting! And yeah, what a feel. I mean, the feel I get is what a what an important thing it is that there are people doing that work, but but also a, what a really important thing it is given the set of. Uh, what do we say? Like the set of incentives, which prioritize the spreading of bad news in the yeah. world to have somebody making something that is not about that. And of course, you're not. <sighs> you wouldn't be the only person doing that, and and all that kind no. of thing. And I have great respect no, no. for everybody who does. But it is, it is easy to make people look at hopeless things and disaster, and it's a different thing to invite people to look at hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it has been my experience that I'm not, that I'm a participant in a collective movement that has been in place forever and continues to be in place now that we focus on the things that are getting better and the things that we can do and that hope is valid. Um, and it has also been my experience that one of the reasons why this idea has progressed at the speed that it has, and it has progressed very quickly for this industry, um, is because we're all dying for it. Yeah. That we don't get enough of it, that it isn't out there. And there's a part of everybody, particularly at this time, that wants more of it because it still isn't our default. It still isn't super common, um, but is wanted. So... Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, can I catch a couple of, cause I'm very interested in ideas and creativity and 
this is a kind of one of the things that this story is about is about um catching like catching the idea when it came like really mm-hmm. listening on that day and then doing the hard things after that um mm-hmm. but what a beautiful thing that um you know i'm reminded uh just it was in uh, in preparing for this interview, I was reading. I've been on your mailing list for quite a while, and I've been reading. Was reading some of the old messages and found this mm. link to this really cool free Joseph Campbell documentary on YouTube, which I'm 100 percent going to watch. Um, maybe it's because I was just oh, yeah. looking at which I've never seen. Um, and I've isn't uh, it so cool? The whole thing's up there. That's amazing. And the the one that Robert always recommends is not freely available in the UK at the moment so I haven't uh... watched that so I so anyway I'm looking forward to that but you know I think there's a Joseph Campbell quote which is something like when you're on purpose every door opens or something like that yeah and, yeah and, there and, is and it there's a there's a kind of sense of that in the story that you've just told mm-hmm. and there is this like in it is a terrifying invitation really isn't it to to do those things mm-hmm. because you never know right whether it will move at a rate you couldn't have imagined for an industry like that mm. because everyone's ready and what they were waiting for was Lindsay mm. Lewis or somebody like you to say, mm. I've got this, I know I'm not really a part of your industry and I've got this nuts idea, but what do you think? And that's what it took, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's such a neat moment. Um, I, I, I love the ideas of Joseph Campbell's works and the ideas of the hero's journey. I, I find it so reassuring the whole um, extrapolation and like, we, this happens and then this happens. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's so true. And I, and, and I love that so many of us experience it and it, it's such a neat thing to, it's been so reassuring to, to have that framework. And it's also really something neat that I, is a, such a part of who I am and why one of the reasons why I love Martha Beck's work is it's such a part of her work as well, which is that to be looking for that, the calling inside somebody. And then what can we do to support that in becoming your reality? And, and what can we do? Yeah, but isn't it cool? Like in this story of yours and people can, yeah, we can, we'll put a link to that, that Joseph Campbell <laughs> documentary in the, in the, in the show notes. And it's fun because it's got lots of famous people on it mm-hmm. my, the one i was most excited about weirdly was that rashida jones out of the um, u.s too. office and parks and rec is in it so i'm very Me excited too. to see her there and hear what she has to say and i i found her on the youtube i didn't watch you know i found her and she was like wow she's what a smart lady as well as being a funny lady and a, and a great actor but um yeah. wait what was I? <laughs> yeah right no, you had it right you i nearly forgot my forgot my point here you you had it right you had the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, the call, the refusal, yeah. the call, the refusal. And then, you know, I mean, you could talk about divine intervention, right? At that key moment. <laughs> the, what is it? The supernatural aid, right? Supernatural it's, aid. It's the phase of the, right, the hero's journey, isn't it? It's like, yeah. what, a cool, what a cool story. Yeah. So, Lindsay, given you're now a super successful documentary maker, <laughs> um, how's your... What is all this like and and uh, <laughs> what does all this mean for this thing coaching which has been such a part of your mm. life mm. and like you said and I think it's really true you know most well here's the thing that I think is true so I I I got interested in like 
I feel like I've done a load of the things that if you were to sit at the start of a coaching business and you would say, what do coaches do? People get wrapped up and they accidentally start a blog instead of starting a coaching business, right? Right. Or they start a podcast because they think they have to have a podcast to start a coaching business. Or they, I don't know, try and write a book or they do all these things. Now, I have done those things, but I did all of them. Like I've done literally everything that anyone says you should do to have a coaching business, but I did them all after, essentially, or alongside. And I think that one of the things that happens if you if you really commit to a business like coaching is that you find all the things that you might want to do, but don't think you can opening up to you as possible. If you keep receiving coaching and you keep well you, you keep investigating and helping other people, but also doing your yeah. own work, then those things happen. And so it's it's not remotely surprising that you have projects opening up. I think mm. there's a book as well, right? You said in your message. Yes. Um, in terms of opening up, no, not yet, but certainly almost a complete manuscript, which is wow. also a great joy. And, a, and an incredible achievement. As um, you know. <laughs> yes, as I know, exactly. Um, and uh, so, but what's happened, so it's incredibly natural that these other projects happen alongside a coaching business, I think. They're not not for everybody mm. and not, ev- not everybody's are visible or end up on TV, uh, mm. which fingers crossed yours will. Mm. But what's happened to that business and how has it changed as this project? It sounds like it's been moving for a, a year and a half, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. is has kind of emerged and these conversations have happened. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. been the so, impact on everything else or everything we've been talking about up to this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Essentially, coaching is is a lesser part of of my life in terms of the the hours that I spend the energy that I put into it and the money that I receive from it all of that has gone down um I don't think that that's a I don't think the income going down part was an inevitable part I think I could have held for I will continue to make the same income but it was it stopped being a goal for me when I and I, I say that because I think it's it's a very important thing that I I don't, I, I want to take a stand for in life that I that I want to take a stand for particularly for women because when I return to my coaching business as a new mom wanting to work very reduced hours one of my commitments was I will I will make the same money in less time and that was a commitment of mine and I did it it wasn't easy and it required. Oh, how, what do I need to change? And how do I need to, what do I need to shift? What do I need to do differently in order for this outcome to happen? But I was committed to it and it happened. So I say that I, I want that to be an important thing for all of us to have in our awareness. I did not have that remotely during the, the, the investment of time, energy, and soul in this film proposal and all the enormity of work and personal growth and time and energy and conversations that were required to get to where we are today. Um, I, I was in, I mean, I was interested in exploring a new layer of a, and a new way relate really of being in relationship with money, which was what happens if I stop focusing on it? What happens if I, and other people will know, other people will be like, well, yeah, I've done that. Or yes, I I knew this already to be dry. I didn't, I wanted to play with it. (laughs) So what happens if I pour myself in to this thing that for the highest good, that really is, doesn't feel like it's for me, 
as as much as it brings me joy and in flow and in purpose, it feels like it is for the highest good and it is for the everybody. And I love that about it. What happens if I pour myself into that? What what might occur financially if I stop thinking about money at all? Currently, with them in my business, in my coaching business, that the money that I generate for our household went down considerably. Um, my experience as we got to the budgeting um, stage of the proposal, which I couldn't do because I don't have knowledge about that, but these other two producers sat down and said, okay, here's what the film will cost and here's what the money, where the money will go and here's what you would get paid and you would get paid and Lindsay, what you would get paid in it. And I had no idea and I had no attachment. But when I look at that number, it's not like, oh, Lindsay's rocking it in the, you know, whatever people, whatever might think, but it, it's a nice number. It's a number that I went like, that's good. I'm content with that. The part like that's, that's nice. And I, and I like that, that it's proof that what I was playing with, not that it's in the bank yet, but in a, to me, it's proof that what I was playing with around not thinking about money at all and really investing in something that feels in flow and on purpose and enough service and like it lights me up. If I do that, the money will come. The money shows up. The money arrives as part of it. And that has been a learning for me over this past year is it is safe to focus less on money. Mm -hmm. I almost don't want to ask this question because it feels like it'll change the tone a little bit, but, but it feels like it's there to be asked. What was there? Maybe it's, um, you know, other people's contributions to the household maybe it's money that you had in place mm. what was it that so there was some faith that allowed it but i think mm -hmm. it's quite interesting to think practically what allowed that got it yeah because for some that people that you know it's like some people won't will feet won't feel like they have the luxury of doing that and some may not totally um but it's like i think it's just an interesting thing to get if you're up for it and, and for sure speaking for as much sure. transparency as you want obviously because it's talking personal finance so it's an interesting well with all yeah, the yeah. stuff we've been talking about my money right it's an interesting thing to yeah, talk well. about publicly but <laughs> but yeah what's yeah you, so you get the kind of the, the the multi question point here yeah what what was in place that allowed you to do that that, that one you? yeah well, I wouldn't even say that. So, so I have a, have a husband and a partner who contributes financially to our household as well. That was not, and, and I think it's important that I'm clear that it wasn't like, he'll take care of it. My income is required in our household. It always has been. It continues to be. What enabled me to do it was the knowledge that I know how to make money coaching. <laughs> yeah. It goes so, right back to that moment where you're like, ah, here's a thing that works. I can do this. Yes. Now. So I know I have a safety net, whether that, and that safety net is not a whole bunch of savings. The safety net is I am capable of making good money. And so every month we, I would do a check-in. Where are we at financially? Do I need to invest more time and energy in my coaching business to receive a return on that, that dollar's? Or can I continue on in the and where I'm investing my time and energy? And the answer every month was yes, we can continue on. We can continue on. We can continue on. But, but what it really enabled me to not that I was comfortable, not that I felt 
didn't and don't still have moments where I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to all just be focusing on making more money and making sure your safety net is in the bank and not just in your abilities. There's all that will come up. Um, and I need to continue to say, yeah, but I really like this and I like this other way and it feels really good and I'm not willing to let it go. So here we go. I still am in that. But the thing that enabled me to do it was the knowing that I am my own safety net. I've learned that. I know what I can do. If at any point we decide I need to turn and invest more time and energy in my coaching business again, so the money is more, I can do that. Mm. So interesting. Gives us a, you know, gives some people a clue of like, when is a good time to, mm. to, to, to mm. do it? Because it, it, it's something I thought about really in, in my own, with my own flavor, but in a very similar way with the books, I found that, uh, create the space to get these books out i had to say no to a lot of things some of which i was really not comfortable saying no to for example any activity to do with creating income in my coaching business was especially on my list of things no this if i'm if this is really going to happen these are really going to come out and it's not going to take me 10 years to get them out yes this 18 month period is going to be no to essentially any client creation work Got it. Now, what was interesting about that is, of course, I didn't create no clients in that time. And it's not quite true yep. because I was creating things in different ways and the books were coming out. Right. But it, but it, it, was, right. it, it took a lot of nerve and it did come with a cost. Yeah. Um, of literal cost. Well, not a literal cost, but it came with a very clear to me difference between <laughs> what was coming in and what was not sure. um, in some respects. And so... But I had the same thing. I really felt the same thing. It's like, well, I know what I'll do once these books are out. If I if I really need a load of clients, I'll send a load of invitations. Yes. And I haven't actually done it. And turns out some right. people show up as soon as there's space yes. in my life for people to show Isn't up. Isn't it interesting? Here they all are in January 2023. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> universe. And, I'm, and thank you to all of you who have emailed me to say, can we talk about coaching? Because it makes my life feel, makes my business feel like it's got more life in it. But um. Yeah, I love that reflection. The safety net isn't a pile of money somewhere. It's the embodied confidence that you can create some income for yourself. And it is an absolutely, I still think it's an absolutely mind-blowing shift to go through from working for companies who pay you a salary where you get a pay rise every now and again to really understanding, if I do some things now, that is going to create some money. It's, like... it's mind blowing and so fun. <laughs> um, Lindsay, I, uh, with when when you know we're nearly at time now, and um, we are. I'm mindful uh, of that. And uh, I, one of the things I send that some regular listeners will know this. I've heard me talk about it before. I send this question to, to guests, which is, "What are five things that are, someone who knows your journey really well would would ask yeah. you about?" And you said that your friend Laura would say these. Did you ask Laura, or is this the Laura in your head as you imagine her? Would ask these Literally, questions? she has asked me these questions. Oh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, what, how do you retain your joy? <laughs> it's funny because she does ask me that all the time, yeah. uh, um, and I am baffled every time she does. I'm like. I didn't know I was joyful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, well, you can, you can listen just, back to this and you'll, with that in mind and you'll hear it, you'll feel it. Yeah, I, yeah it, it gets true. I, I think we're just le- less aware of how we are. And, uh, and uh, 
Um, it's an, it's a tricky question to answer. I don't know why I included that one. <laughs> Dang it all for me for pr- proposing a really yeah. hard question. Um, uh, I, I think I do things that bring me joy. Like I got to talk to Robbie. I think Robbie's a wonderful, amazing human being. This has been a joy bringing conversation, you know, and, and so I am joyful during it. Um, I do things that I, that are, that allow me to experience joy. And that's kind of it. When I don't do them, I'm not joyful. Lovely. Lovely. And, you know, um, we'll talk a little bit about how people can find you in a sec, but is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to catch before we, I mean, there's many things we haven't talked about. Is there anything that feels important to say at this point, just before we wrap up? Um, There is something I'm not, I have to think about if it's, yeah, I would phrase it. Um, there's a little part of me that is wanting to speak to and just like send a loving, you know, embrace out to anybody who isn't feeling joyful, anybody who is in depression, anxiety, moroseness, upset, worry, concern. Um, I don't know. There's just a part of me that wants to say, like, if, if you're there, I get, I am there too often. And, um, I'm just sending you lots of love and lots of acknowledgement and clear seeing. Um, I think that we are in a phase of life where it's important to talk about what we're calling mental health these days. And that is becoming a more present part of our conversation in a way that's very, um, uh, encompassing and allows all of us to have the feelings that a lot of us are having these days. So just sending anybody in that so much love. And uh, I'm here, I hear you and I'm with you, even in the midst of all of this that I have going on and how I might appear on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's good because that answers one of my questions from earlier when we were deep in the, in the spiritual, which is, are you like this on Tuesday at 10 p.m. <laughs> when you've had a terrible day? Um, um, uh, Lindsay, one of the things about you is you are a creator. And so there are lots of things you've written, uh, audio on your website. Mm. If, if you, is there one, if we were to send somebody, a listener who wanted to experience something you've made, is there one thing, one that you are like, Maybe people don't, other people don't, and no one has ever clicked on it or it's got the least clicks ever, but you love it. <laughs> um, uh, I, the thing that the piece that it's coming for right now is I have an audio called the clear self versus clouded self. Mm. And I find it, um, it kind of has the heart of, of who I am and how I see and has been a high service to certain people who have listened to it. And I like it. So yeah. let's say that one. We'll put that in the we'll put that in the episode description and we'll put links to your website and all that kind of thing. Um mm. Lindsay, it's been a such a pleasure and a joyful experience and a touching experience. Thank you so much for your time. Um and yeah, really best of luck with the documentary. Like keep me posted, keep us posted so that we can add a link to that when it's out on Netflix. Oh, and, um, thanks for me. Yeah. What a wonderful thank you. What a wonderful part of this conversation and to get to have any you know particularly that part of the conversation to get to have a invitation into that that story thanks for having me thanks for having me (laughs) 
Hello, Robbie here again. A couple of quick things before you go on to whatever else you've got going on in the rest of your day. Uh, And that is, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then you might be interested in becoming a supporter of the Coach's Journey podcast or joining the Coach's Journey community. Both of those are ways to support the show, help it continue, help it reach more and more people, but they also give you other things that you might be interested in. If you become a supporter, which is paying a small amount of money every month, then you'll get advance notice of guests, perhaps the chance to ask questions of guests, um, depending on what membership level you have, and and more monthly video updates from me, all kinds of other bits and pieces. And if you join the Coach's Journey community, then you get all of that, plus you get to be part of a group coaching program led by me um, and attend group coaching calls up to 10 times a year, have one-on-one coaching with me, and be part of a community of coaches who want to create thriving coaching businesses and thrive as people while they do it. And um, one of the members said recently that the word that keeps coming up in the members WhatsApp group is beautiful to describe those calls. And so um, I'd love to have you there on one of those calls. Um, and as a member of the community or a supporter of the show, it would mean the world to me and it helped me to keep doing this thing that I love to do and that many, many people have told me is really helpful for them. So thanks very much for listening and hope to have you back with us on the Coach's Journey podcast sometime soon. <laughs>